Okay. Who has the keys to the time machine DeLorean from Back to the Future? It might actually be time that we went back and fixed this alternate reality that we're living in. Welcome to Grounded. I'm your host, Scott Cates, coming to you live from the Northeast Georgia mountains right here in the tiny town of Tiger. Where today, it's a beautiful day. Let's get down to our subject. I want to talk to you today about the power of acceptance, something that's been on my mind for quite some time. And then the timing, I guess, may be just right right now. Turns out that I was actually one of the rare people that watched the State of the Union address in its entirety the other night. There were a number of things that were addressed there. It's a current event. So many current things that are happening just coming out of that address. And yes, there were a number of things like the economy and inflation and all of those things. But in that address, there were general subjects that were mentioned. And there are things that we actually accept in our life. Some of these things we're accepting as truth. Some of these things we're accepting as right. And it's time that we, I think, address them and really call them what they are. For instance, one of the things that was mentioned during that speech was climate change. That climate change could be slowed down or eradicated with legislation. Another was violence. That violence in our nation could be slowed down. We could actually stop murder or bring it to a much slower process with legislation. That cancer could be cured within 10 years as a result of laws being legislated. And then the toward, really toward the end of the speech comes a statement about reproductive rights or abortion, a.k.a. abortion, the definition of abortion now being reproductive rights. And then one of the last points that was made was protection for the LBGTQ crowd, including the protection of children who may want to be a different gender. And then finally, the last statement that is made from that speech, which is made a lot, which is God bless America. Well, there are a number of things that I think we need to discuss and maybe talk about. Thank you for joining the program today. As we get into these, let's talk about climate change, a.k.a. global warming for just a moment. We've been told the greenhouse gases are the problems and the issues and things that we need to deal with. What do believers in Jesus Christ, what what do they actually believe when it comes to climate change and global warming? Do we actually believe in this? Well, the answer is, of course we do. Will you find it in Scripture? Yes, you will. Matter of fact, you'll find Paul actually talking about it in Romans chapter 8. And he's not going to mention, and neither is Jesus, Jesus Christ, when you go to Matthew 24 and 4 and, and begins to describe it, you'll never hear them say that the cause of it is greenhouse gases. It won't be gas-burning stoves that are the cause, and it won't be cows in the field that are the cause for global warming or climate change. Yet there is serious global warming 
taking place. No, you'll find that the deterioration of the planet is actually coming from what Paul says is actually the corruption of sin in this world. As a matter of fact, when you look at creation scientists or you listen to creation scientists, they'll tell you that the, the deterioration of this world is coming because of the corruption of the sins of mankind. And then you'll find the answer of, is it going to stop? And the answer is, no. You could put a half million charging stations in all you want to, and you can move to electric cars all you want to, but it isn't going to change the deterioration of this planet. It is deteriorating and has been ever since the fall of man way back in the book of Genesis and continues because of the fact that men's hearts are becoming more and more and more wicked, and the darkness of their hearts wreaks havoc upon this world. And the reason for that is because God does more and more trying to get the attention of mankind. And you're going to say, well, is that judgment? It's actually mercy. So can you slow it down? The answer can be maybe but it won't be done with legislation and laws. Now, as a matter of fact, it will be done by the practicing of righteousness. According to 1 John, the practice of righteousness, and by leading countless others to Christ. The church, the church itself has got to want to practice righteousness, which I, sometimes we wonder, are they? I wonder sometimes, is the church really wanting to practice? Does she even know what it is to practice righteousness? There's a deception over what that actually means. And some of those terms we'll talk about today as well. What are we being deceived by? And you'll see those as we come, as we progress through this program today. And if you go to Matthew 24, just the words of Jesus talking about What's it going to look like as time progresses and things begin to get worse? What exactly is going to happen according to Jesus Christ? And it's Jesus that talks to his disciples in Matthew 24. And he says that there will be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will come against kingdom. There'll be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And by the way, these aren't just the end of everything that's going to take place. The planet is going to deteriorate. And God is going to try to get the attention of people by the deterioration of this planet. And by the way, everything that is on it. If you want to know the things that God is in charge of and exactly who he is, a part of the reason why that we're facing the storms that we face and the tsunamis that are coming, you've got to understand who God is. It, is, it actually is mercy. It's God trying to get the attention of mankind. Because at the end of this little statement in Matthew 24. It's not really the end of the chapter, but at the end of this statement, if you go to verse 14, it says, and the gospel 
of the kingdom will be preached into all the world as a witness to all of the nations, and then the end will come, which means he's holding out hope for every last person to come to know Christ. And so he's going to use these difficult moments because men's hearts will be hard. They won't be able to hear any other way. And right now, you can watch when a tsunami takes place or a hurricane comes up or an earthquake takes place, when famines happen, when pestilences, disease, when it begins to take place, when that happens, people are sent to those countries. And the first people that respond usually are Christians. And they're coming with the power of the gospel. If you've ever been moving into a community with Samaritan's Purse and talking to people the moment after the storms have hit in communities in the United States even, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ as a result of the things that are being talked about right here in Matthew 24. Is there global warming? Yeah. It's because of the fires of hell that are in the hearts of mankind that are living any way they want to and ignoring God. He's getting their attention. And the reason why he is, and he's doing it that way, by the way, the reason why he is doing it that way is because their attention will not be gotten any other way. So is it judgment? It's actually mercy. He wants every last one. His desire is that all men would be saved. So the gospel will be preached into all nations as these things are coming so that men will understand and know who he is. And if you really want to understand the power of God, you can go to the book of Job and you can listen to Job to, to God explain to Job who he is. He says, I tell the waves how far they'll come. I'm the one that founded this planet. I put the foundation down. And then I built on that foundation. I command the wind. He says, one of my favorites, he says, I call out to the thunderbolt. And the thunderbolts come and say, here we are. Here I am. And he says, go here and there. He commands the waves. He commands the wind. He tells them how far they can go, and he uses them. He uses all of it so that mankind can see him, and they'll come to know him. So global warming, do we believe it? Yes, we do. As believers, we believe it. But it's explained in Matthew 24 by Jesus. In Romans chapter 8 by Paul, and that's how we understand what global warming is. It can be defined any other way, but most of the time defined any other way, it's being defined by someone who does not believe in Christ and that the Scripture is true. What about violence? Well, in Matthew 24, he says that the love of many will grow cold lawlessness is going to abound. So as time progresses, that's going to deteriorate as well. Can you fix that with legislation? Let me say with absolute doubt, no doubt in my mind, 
There is no way you are going to fix the violence issues with laws and legislation. You will not eradicate it. It is not going to happen. The hearts of men must be changed. You can take away the tools that men use to kill each other. You can do that all day long. But you're not going to take murder out of their hearts. You're not going to take killing and the desire to do so away from them. It isn't going to happen. There's no way that legislation is going to fix that. There's only one way that men's hearts are governed, and that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, he begins to talk about what happens when men's hearts are not governed by the power of God. Galatians chapter 5, he begins to explain what happens to men who do not know anything about God, and, and God is not governing their, governing their hearts by the power of the Spirit. And it actually sounds like reading the news today. This is what happens. They're involved in adultery and fornication and uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Um, yes, that's what man looks like left to his own device, his own vices without their hearts being governed by God. Laws and legislation will not fix that. Only by the power of God and the spirit of God within a man will the heart be governed in a way that violence can be stopped. Will violence actually be stopped? Could, can that actually happen is always the question. Could you actually stop violence? Could it be could it be stopped? Could it be could that actually happen? Well, I could tell you that around the turn of the 20th century, coming from the 1890s into the 1900s, New York City was a very very violent place. It was a place where houses of ill repute were filled. The bar business was at an all-time high. Houses of gambling were very popular, and the churches were empty. They had a revival that took place that between 30 and 40 people attended in a large cathedral in New York. And when they met for that revival, they decided to pray and then go out and invite people to come, and they did. They prayed hard. They went out, they began to invite people to come to that revival, and it began to sweep across the city. And it did such a successful job at sweeping across the city through the power of God that at the end of a year, one year, the New York City Police Department was given an award for a crime-free city, and every house of ill repute Every gambling establishment and every bar closed their doors. Can violence be stopped? That's the only way, folks, is when the heart is governed by the Holy Spirit. 
What you find after that is those acts that we were just talking about are now changed and the heart is changed and the fruit of the Spirit begins to come to the surface from men's hearts out, the light of God. And it looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What about violence? Legislation will not stop it. But the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit within men's hearts, yes, it can. And then what about curing cancer? Well, as the planet deteriorates because of the conditions of sin in men's hearts, so do we. Cancer is a blanket word. It's used to describe many forms of the disease. And about the time that we get a handle on one part of it, three more parts begin to pop up. You're not going to cure disease, not with legislation and especially not cancer. And even if you were to come to a place where we even got close, something else is going to pop up and it's going to get more rapid and more aggressive as the days progress. As the planet wears out from the results of sin, Everything, including us, does as well. We wonder today, why is America leading the world in heart disease and cancer and the like? Is it possible that it might be because we of all people, we of all people in this nation and the way it was founded, are we being held accountable for the fact that maybe we should know better? When you step out of this nation and you go to other countries worldwide, we're known as the nation of the cross, especially when you get into the Middle East, we're considered the nation of the cross. With that title and that understanding worldwide, that we're people that should be following Jesus and with the belief that the entire nation actually does, is it possible that we're being held to a high standard even by God? And is it possible that we're in the sicknesses that we're in? And it's not because of, I hear all kinds of different things. Well, maybe it's the steroids and the chicken and maybe it is the fact that we're engaged in sin and not only that, we're celebrating it in ways that we never have before. We'll talk about that next. What happens with cancer? The end of the strands of our DNA begin to wear out. And it causes things to happen in our body. Sin is wearing us out. It's wearing out this nation. And when our body begins to break down, and I can tell you this from first hand account. I've seen people that have come, people have laid hands on them, anointed them with oil, and prayed for them, and their cancer was gone. I've seen people who were marked ready to be taken in for surgery for tumors to be removed, and their cancer be gone. I've seen others that had forms of blood cancer that have gone in, and it was gone. I've seen times where multiple people were prayed for in one instance And as a result, they both are 
they all came back, if you will, in the next few days to give an account of the fact that their cancer was gone as people went and got on their knees and prayed to the Lord. You might look at me and say, well, you're radical. I'm just telling you, I witness accounts of these things. Cancer will not be cured with legislation and law. It will not. No matter what's being told to you, all of these things are being told to you so that we can accept maybe that this will be hope. That's a false sense of hope. Ladies and gentlemen, we, are, we have been given a false sense of hope for a long time. We're to hope and hope and hope and hope. Well, I, yeah, I hope today gets better and I hope tomorrow is better and I hope that it's false hope. True hope is found in Christ Jesus. The one who actually, by the changing of the heart, does a work on global warming, stops violence. And it's amazing what the power of God will do with cancer. So you're saying this is the judgment of God. I'm saying it's mercy. All of these things are happening so that, because God is desperately trying to get the attention of our people that they would look toward him. It's amazing to me today that the church of Jesus Christ is having trouble even understanding what it looks like to love God and to look in his direction. To say that you believe in Jesus Christ and yet to reject parts of the scripture, much of the scripture even, how can that be true? As we get to the end of the speech, we begin to hear statements about abortion, about it being someone's reproductive right. Well, abortion is not the reproductive right, ladies and gentlemen. Your reproductive right is the ability to say no before you begin in the act. When I go back over to Galatians chapter 5 one more time and look, at verse 19, the first two things that are listed there are adultery and fornication. Why is that? Well, those things are listed there because both of those have to do with a covenant. When it comes to a man and a woman coming together for sexual intimacy, the seminal fluid of the man and the blood actually that comes from the woman because of that act that is taking place there is some blood that takes place. When those cross between, a covenant is formed. The seminal fluid represents life. The blood represents death. And according to Scripture, a covenant is formed when they enter into that act. So when you have sex outside of, mar of marriage, it's called fornication. You've entered into an act and a covenant with an individual. That's why all other sins are outside of a man. But this sin is on the inside. It is a covenant. When you have sex with someone who is already married and involved in a covenant and that seminal fluid and that blood trans, you, what you do is you have created another covenant there according to Scripture. That's very serious. What comes out of that? When the seminal fluid actually, and when conception takes place because of that seminal fluid and that covenant that actually is taking place, that seven, that's, seminal fluid and the blood actually coming together and a child hap it, when conception takes place life begins 
there. According to Scripture, life begins there. So understanding the covenant that takes place between a man and a woman when they come together and they enter into that act of sexual intercourse, that seminal fluid and that blood come together to form a covenant every single time. It's why fornication and adultery are judged the same. So many people I hear say, well, I'm not going get, to get involved in an act with someone who's married, and I'm not, I'm not going to get involved. You know, Folks, the judgment has to do with the covenant that is there. A child is conceived in the womb. And according to Scripture, life begins right there. Life begins there. A child is formed in the womb with a plan for his or her life altered by God. That's what we know to be truth according to the Scripture. Now, to cut that life short, to cut that process short, actually ends a life. Folks, it is not a reproductive right. It's the termination of the life of a human being. One more time. It's not a reproductive right. It is the termination of the life of a human being according to the Scripture. And that is what we should believe. You can call it, and you can call it whatever you want to. You can legislate and write whatever you want to. But what is right and what is wrong, according to Scripture, when it comes to that, is clear. Which brings me now to LBGTQ. Anyone with a sexual preference other than the opposite sex. That's really what this defined is. Anyone that has a sexual preference other than the opposite sex. Well, if I continue on in Galatians chapter 5, I find that that's defined as uncleanness and lewdness. Because as those acts, those sexual acts are there, uncleanness and lewdness come. There's a reason why it's called sodomy. There's a reason why up until... (laughs) for the longest time, came with a penalty because it was God who first didn't just penalize. He stopped it from happening in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed those cities because of those acts. They were so wicked and detestable to God. Now, you can try to pull that out of the Bible all that you want to, and you can try to force believers into believing something else. But the reality is those acts are detestable to God. To give rights and privileges because of sexual preference, that is detestable to God. And it brings dangerous judgment that comes from God upon the people that practice that And also, according to Romans chapter 1, for those who approve of it. You'll have to pull Romans chapter 1 out of the Bible if you're going to approve of that, because he defines it in Romans chapter 1. 
It's saying that women have abandoned, men have abandoned the use of women and been inflamed for lust with one another. Women have ab- abandoned their natural, the natural use of themselves and been inflamed with lust for one another. It, it defines it in detail that not only those who practice such things are deserving of death. And by the way, that's death according to the judgment of God eternally for practicing those things, but also for those who approve of that. Dangerous consequences, eternal consequences come with that. And now, We have the danger of the mutilization of children. While they're in impressionable periods of their lives, they're encouraged to change their gender or to see something else. Where this lifestyle is now becoming very trendy, and it's very trendy because it's all over the media and it's all over the news. It's being fed to us daily, 24-7, and done so so that we can just accept this. We're being we're not just being warmed up to it. We've been drowned in it, really. And by our silence, we really do accept it. Long as it doesn't affect me in my house. Well, it's affecting us in our house because now that it's become trendy, people outside of your home can now influence your children in that lifestyle. And they can counsel your children without your consent in that lifestyle, according to this legislation that is coming. And when they do so, your children can actually change the gender that they are without your knowing it? No, no. Does anyone know what's really going to happen in the future with this? Do you, do you even realize the consequences of this? What happens when the child who's in a trendy stage of their life and been counseled by maybe a teacher or some sort of counselor that's in their life, not by their parents because it's been hidden from their parents, what happens when the child comes to their senses? There are serious mental health issues that come with that. The other night in the speech, what did I hear? I heard that drug addiction is a mental health issue. But we're not addressing any of this being a mental health issue. Can you imagine in 1985... Going back to 1985 and holding up a child and saying it's a boy, clearly, and having a sort of a gender party for a boy, and yet telling everyone in the room, God gave us a girl, or we've been given a girl, they would want to put you in a padded cell. It would have been considered a mental health issue in the day, but yet today it's considered to be normal. And now drug addiction is a mental health issue. Folks, there are serious mental health issues coming down the road by allowing children or by counseling children to mutilate their bodies to become something other than what God created them to be. In Romans chapter 1, when you cannot see the things that have been clearly made, you're in trouble. And then there's the legality side that comes along with that. When a child comes to his senses, those of you that are counseling these children to go ahead and change their gender, do you realize what happens when they come to their senses? They're not coming to mama and daddy who weren't allowed to talk to them about 
those changes. They're coming for the people who counseled them toward those changes. You better get your lawyers ready because there's danger coming down the pike in your area. They're going to be furious when they come to their senses. And they were changed at an age that they were impressionable. There's danger with this legislation. Not only is it detestable to God, not only is the idea of abortion being labeled as reproduction, reproductive rights, is that against the Lord? But at the end of the speech the other night, we hear this statement. With democracy, all things are possible. Without democracy, nothing is possible. Well, that is a play on Scripture, a twist on Matthew 19, 26, the very words of Jesus that says, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible, as he's referring to the fact that a rich man could actually get into heaven. Anytime that the leader of any nation steps up and claims to have the cure that only God has the answer for, and anytime that Scripture is twisted to fit a speech that we've ever seen, even from our own national leaders, no matter what the party, calamity is waiting around the corner. Buckle up, folks, because anytime a president in history has ever altered the Word of God to fit his speech, and anytime he's defended the things that were detestable to God and stood as the national leader to do so, the storms got bigger, the crisis got greater, and calamity came upon this nation. Over the next year to 18 months, you can say, well, you could see this. You could see this coming because of the economy. I'm telling you, it's coming because men have stood up and twisted Scripture and who's actually in authority over the hearts of men. Finally, the last word spoken after we've talked about the fact that legislation can stop global warming, that legislation can cure violence, that legislation can cure cancer, and that we are going to, no matter what, provide abortion from now on, and then finally we're going to protect and not only protect but celebrate these rights, and we're going to actually protect the mutilization of our children. With all of that, democracy makes it possible. Without democracy, nothing is possible. And then we say, God bless America. You cannot wave this kind of rebellion in the face of God and expect him to bless a nation. It isn't going to happen. No, he will not bless a nation that is determined to do those things that are against his word. No, he's not going to do that by believing that with men, they can fix the impossible and celebrate the detestable. Oh, there's power in acceptance. There is great power in acceptance. There are many things that we're accepting that are not right as a nation. There are many things that we're accepting that are not right and calling ourselves believers as well. 
And you might say, well, I might, I'm not accepting it. But by our silence, we are. And not by our silence over the issues that I'm talking about here, but by our straight silence about not standing for the faith that we believe in. You might not get in public places and talk about these things or these subjects. You might be, not be with your friends and be in these kind of conversations. But my question is this. In the power of acceptance, are you, actually, are you actually accepting the love of Jesus every day above these things? Are you accepting his forgiveness and his grace and the work that he's doing in your life every single day? Are you running to him in the mornings? Are you active in your prayer life? Are you accepting his grace daily? I'm not talking about salvation, for you once came to Christ and gave your life and surrendered it to him. I'm asking you, are you accepting his love every single day? You can love someone. And there's nothing more disappointing than loving someone with all your, all your heart, loving some, another individual, and then looking at you and saying, you know, I don't love you, though. There's nothing more traumatic than that actually taking place than you loving someone with all your heart, but yet they don't want to love you. And yet that's the communication to God that is happening from the hearts, from the genuine hearts of men. Are you practicing righteousness? Are you actually practicing that? Are you practicing the acts of the sinful nature? Are you practicing righteousness? Are you living as a witness to his power in your life? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you defending the faith no matter what the cost is? If you lost every friend you had, if you lost your status in the community because you were defending the faith, would it be worth it? The answer is yes, but do you believe that it would be? And are you willing to pay the price or go to that cost, no matter what the cost is, defending Jesus at all costs. Because I've got news for you. That is where the true power is. It also is going to be what changes this nation. You'll find it's going to be in the power of the Holy Spirit as you live for Christ no matter what the cost. And the life, the light that comes from your life the light that comes from our lives. It looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And there is no law required for these. Why? Because they are far more powerful than any legislation written, far more powerful than any law that men can write. They are the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and they are powerful. They are contagious, they are transforming, and they are only found in lives that have been surrendered to Jesus Christ. And that is the answer to the things and the current events they were given in the State of the Union the other night. Being addressed today, the 
because they need to be. What are we accepting? There is power in the things that we accept into in our lives. You're listening to Grounded. I'm your host, Scott Cates. And that brings me to the last question. What keeps you from living for Christ at all cost? What is it? Whatever that is, I encourage you, maybe right now, to stop. You might need to put this on pause for a minute and say, Oh, God, there are some things I have in my life I need to get rid of and literally practice righteousness no matter what the cost. Lord, help me to be a person who reflects the light of the fruit of the Spirit and lives for you. And help me to tell others about you. Folks, it's time. It's time we became that. If you do not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, there's power in that acceptance. Lord, I'm putting you in charge of my life today. You just can stop right where you are right now and speak out loud to Jesus. It's talking to God. Lord, I'm, I'm putting you in charge of my life right now. I know I've been active in some of these things. I've been active in many of these things that have been read aloud today. Even just being angry at someone. I've, I've, those are sins. And Lord, please forgive me of those yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and help me to walk in you as I make you Lord in charge of my life. You can come to Jesus just like that. Folks, there is hope. It is found in Christ Jesus and found in believers that practice righteousness and found in the fruit of the Spirit. May you live lives of joy in great peace, no matter what it looks like around us, no matter what the storm brings on the horizon, that we would be at peace, living and being the people of God. Because that's what brings us the greatest joy. And that's where the power is. Thank you for listening to Grounded today. I'm Scott Cates. I've enjoyed being with you. And I'll see you again next Monday. Have a great week.